and you and me need to learn how to make money while we're watching sports, right? And you can get somebody a fish, but really what you need is to teach people how to fish. And that's exactly what I'm doing. Hey, my man, your week from Indiana. He's going to be reporting from the Midwest. Thank you for joining us tonight. Now, you are looking live at a man who has made me a lot of money, and he continues uh, to make a lot of money. He's Dr. Brandon first. He's not seeing patients right now because he's making so much money watching sports in the middle of the pandemic, and bottom line, it's safer than working at the office. He is the PhD of the Philadelphia Eagles. He has an encyclopedic knowledge of the Philadelphia Eagles, of horse racing, of baseball. Uh, this year, he's been 100% on baseball, if there wasn't any horse racing going on. <laughs> but he's made us a lot of money on both, and we had a great time. Thank you for uh, taking time to be with us, doctor. Yeah, it's good. Uh, it's good to be here. I'd say the main reason uh, I don't, I'm not seeing patients at the moment is uh, because I'm not a doctor. But um, besides that, uh, the, the, uh, other than that hurdle, I would be uh, all for it. But yeah, just uh, excited to start college football. You're a doctor in my eyes. Doctor of the Philadelphia Eagles. Somebody said, why is he a doctor? I said, well, let's look up a dissertation, right? A dissertation is an ongoing... Uh, expertise that you have, that you have mastered better than anyone else in a unique way. And his knowledge of the, site of, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles fits the criteria for a dissertation. Now, when you have a dissertation and you score a dissertation and it's scored by somebody who has a master's degree or higher, then it's valid for a doctor. So technically I can uh, give you a doctorate in the Philadelphia Eagles because I do have two master's degrees and uh, we can go to court and settle that. But that, that person was convinced and that's why he's the PhD of the Philadelphia Eagles. I just tried, yeah, just making joke. Uh, but yeah, um, I'll, I'll, I'll get us started. Um, mainly, you know, focusing on uh, the two Florida schools um, the first one I'll look at is uh, Florida, or at least the big Florida schools. Uh, first one I'll look at is Florida um, and the Gators uh, begin its season at number eight in the country, and they will start uh, about two, three weeks, two weeks, three weeks from uh, tomorrow against Old Miss. Um, it was announced Thursday that the school would allow 20% capacity um, or about 17,000 people into um, the swamp um, that it's a venue that can seat up to almost 90,000. So 17,000 will not be the normal home field advantage, but there will be a crowd there. Uh, there will be obviously social distancing guidelines for fans entering and exiting the stadium. Uh, also using the bathrooms and purchasing concessions. So that will be put to the test first um, on October 3rd as they take on um, South Carolina and something that was really interesting that happened um, earlier this, uh, this week or um, the reaction came earlier this week was Dan Mullen reacting to what has now been called the Mullen rule. Um, the first year ever that the NCAA is forcing teams to 
um, force their players to warm up in a jersey or some way to verify or um, identify a player in pregame warm-up via a number so that um, both the press and the other team can see who is in what package or who is actually playing. So that is the rule. Um, it's been called the Mullen rule. And uh, it's, it's, it's really funny. I think um, there's a great quote it, from Dan Mullen. He, it goes, quote, I think it's ridiculous to have to do that, to be perfectly honest with you. The Dan Mullen rule, that is horrendously ridiculous. We know how we warm up. Our guys like warming up, how we warm up. Uh, it is what it is. Go ahead. What's your question? That's my rant on it. And it continued because, look, if you ever, you know, went to journalism school or, you know, anything like that, or you're just a curious mind, you know what the next question would be. And um, he, uh, the next question was, who do you think turned it in? Who do you think turned you in? And Dan Mullen responded, who do you think? The writer then, <laughs> the writer then responded with Georgia. And Dan Mullen said, you said it, not me. So um, I think we know that that game, um, the world's largest, uh, I don't think it's allowed to be called the world's largest yeah, no, outdoor yeah. cocktail party. Um, but when that game, or when those two teams meet, uh, there's obviously some targeting going on um, from Florida's side and probably Georgia's too. There's not a ton of love on the other side either, but it's very interesting to see Dan Mullen's reaction to what has now been called um, or been dubbed, I should say, the Mullen rule, um, his actual reaction to it, and kind of tie in the fact that, hey, you know what, the Gators probably are targeting this team um, because, let's be honest, uh, there obviously is absolutely no love lost between not only the schools, um, but the coaching staffs and players in general. So that'll be an interesting storyline to follow. Uh, Florida has a, has, a, has a real good shot of uh, making some noise in a bit of a, not a watered-down SEC, but overall um, a bit of a watered-down uh, season. Moving on to uh, Josh's favorite team, the Florida State Seminoles. And, Florida State uh, Criminal. You know, I there's a book out there. Um, it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, they actually made a movie about it, but as normal, the movie doesn't do it justice. But um, it's called I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell, and it's um, – <laughs> Tucker Max. It's, it's absolutely hilarious. It is not a book for the squeamish of heart. It is about a very um, privileged and um, rich white kid going to Duke uh, to be a lawyer and just partying his ass off. It is hilarious, but um, there will be some offense taken. So just throw that out there. But he, he called Florida State a free shoe university because he right. wasn't a big... Um, uh, uh, didn't think that it was that big of a deal to go to Florida State. Anyways, they will begin their Mike Norvell era um, a week from tomorrow against Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech on September 12th. Florida State at this moment are 11-point okay. favorites. Um, the ACC uh, yeah, the doing a live picks right now. this week, and the Seminoles are picked to finish 7th in what is uh, really honestly a mediocre ACC. If it wasn't for Clemson, um, they probably would revoke the whole automatic bid from this league. Um, Georgia Tech is actually one of the few teams Florida State is expected to finish above. Um, Georgia Tech is transitioning to a um, more traditional offense, whatever that may be, but they're getting away from the Paul Johnson, uh, um, Paul Johnson 
wishbone triple option effect. Uh, so the Seminoles are picked, uh, or I'm sorry, th- there were four AC- all ACC picks um, from the uh, Florida State Seminoles. It was three on defense, one on offense, defensive tackle Marvin Wilson, defensive back Asante Samuel Jr. You'll recognize that name if right. you're a football fan. And uh, safety, give me a minute, Hamsa Nasir Ladin. Um, and then uh, wide receiver, Tamarian Terry. Those are the four. All ACC on the early parts. Uh, similar to Florida, the, the Seminoles um, will have 20. They, they will bump it up to 25% um, capacity. And similar to Florida, I didn't mention it with Florida, but it is the same. There will be no tailgating. Uh, if you're familiar with the South, you know that is a very big part of it. And just looking at Florida State kind of from the outlook is, look, there is only one week and then they'll be uh, starting their season is they're going to look at James Blackman who just, you know, a few years ago was the first true freshman to start for Florida state since 1985. Um, That was 2017. And now James Blackman is well-versed in unfortunately another offense to learn. This isn't a situation where, Oh, you've been there for four years. You should be used to it. Well, guess what? He's had three different head coaches in those four years. So it's hard to get used to something that hasn't, uh, stayed the same, but he does have a reliable target in Tamari and Terry and a talented group of running backs. Um, they do lose Cam Akers, who eventually or who was drafted by the Rams, left school early. He was a, a really good talent there. Um, but AM transferred Ja'Shawn Corbin and true freshman uh, Lawrence Toafili, who is very highly touted, um, will help fill, fill that void left by Akers. Um, but Look, the fact of the matter is there's talent on this team, but we saw last year Willie Taggart proved you can have all the talent. Well, maybe not all the talent in the world, but you can have talent on a team and still lose your job. That's exactly what happened to uh, Willie Taggart last year. Florida State has to improve on um, a mediocre season or an above below average season for any other school, let alone Florida State. Um, it's a borderline prisonable offense in Tallahassee not to go to a bowl game. Um, so Willie Taggart out, um, Norville in, um, coming from Memphis, a team we will talk about in a bit. Um, so that is uh, the Florida and Florida State report um, as we get you ready for, in Florida State's case, their game next week, um, the University of Florida. Um, they got a couple weeks before their season gets rolling. All right. Now, thank you for everybody uh, that has joined uh, feel free to give us feedback. What do you think? We had a guy there uh, who's talked about the Houston Cougars. If you have opinions on the Houston Cougars, let us know, because I'm going to be covering the AAC the whole time. Um, I'm a big fan of Houston. You know, uh, Coach Sampson and uh, the guy that got from West Virginia, a uh, big fan of his himself, Halston. Uh, even though we're rivals in state and uh, interesting to see what DeAndre King does in Miami. All right. Uh, again, all our picks are free. Uh, we're at 70% usually. Thank you. Thank you very much. They're saying way to go. We're going to have fun this college football season, uh, making money too. Uh, as good as I am at NBA, which I'm 75%. I'm just as good at college football, myself, and a good doctor. Eighty percent in the bowl games. 
And, uh, man, we had fun championship Saturday. We got all those games right, New Year's. So uh, glad to have you along for the ride this year as we talk AAC football. All right? They are going to play. It's going to be an interesting year in the AAC. Memphis just lost their best player. Uh, we'll get to that game later. Uh, I'm concerned about Houston. Coach Halstrom has uh, overworked his players. And because he's overworked his players, uh, I wonder about their stamina in the first game, and then I wonder about their stamina going on during the season. Uh, he, he very much has that uh, $5 million a year contract, uh, $40 million buyout. So salesmen think short-term. Businessmen think long-term. All right? Uh, Halstern is really like the Marines, breaking down his team, breaking down their will, and then building him back up. So very excited to see what he can do. But I think this year will be a down year for Houston. USF is a totally different team. I cannot talk about USF because USF uh, breaks my rule, number one. And number one rule in betting is always or never bet on your own team. Never bet on your own team. And you always overestimate the decisions of your own team. So USF uh, is like a kid to me. Not only did I graduate from USF, uh, I tutored at USF. I tutored athletes at USF. Uh, I get messages from former kids I tutored saying how they're doing great. They're going to church on every Sunday and they're married. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you don't have to do all that. Just make sure you're a successful person and out of jail. So, uh, I'm very, very emotional when it comes to USF. But with that being said, they're going to um, be a totally different team with the grad transfers that came on, guys who transferred in the transfer portal, and uh, the great job that Jeff Scott, who coached DeAndre Hopkins, recruited DeAndre Hopkins, <laughs> and recruited Deshaun Watts. <laughs> He recruited great guys to uh, Clemson, uh, and, but he talked about it when he was on a live stream with us. He also uh, recruited or made a deal with Hunter Renfro that he could come on as a walk-on, and he had enough guts to put Hunter Renfro on the field in, a, in, like, in Coach Scott's words, put a five-star uh, on the sidelines standing next to him. Right, so that's USF football. It's going to be very surprising. Uh, uh, I'll let Doctor first analyze that game, but I think when they play Notre Dame, it's going to be an inflated line in a couple weeks. Uh, you can't finish what's going on, and you can't finish in Orlando. Nobody really knows. Uh, we'll have more as more reporting does on EAAC. So the other thing that I'm covering, I'm covering the Miami Hurricanes. In the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, did a great hire, right? You got Manny Diaz, and Manny Diaz is one of those guys that he's Cuban, uh, elite, right? Usually Spaniard Cubans like Manny Diaz are racist. He's not. His dad is former mayor of Miami, 
Uh, he was born with a golden spoon in his mouth. Now he's making $5 million a year as the head coach of the Hurricanes. And he did a home run hire in Lashley. Lashley was the guy who designed the offense for Cam Newton in Auburn and won the national championship with Gus Malzant. And he's followed Gus Malzant the whole time. Uh, he was Gus Malzant's quarterback at Springfield High in, Ar- in Arkansas. And then when he, um, he coached, he played and then coached at Arkansas State uh, during the time they crossed with Malzant. And he's an offensive genius. He goes to SMU last year. They averaged 55 points a game. So him and DeAndre King combining and then with uh, Manny Diaz being a defensive coach and having the players he wants and making that into a defensive juggernaut, look for Miami to be a surprise team uh, this year going forward. Because it's all about the U. So every Friday, Lord willing, pandemic willing, this is a crazy year. You can't say it's up, but uh, something different about the South, right? I'll make a note of what Dr. First talked about, that rivalry between the Florida Gators and the Georgia Bulldogs. And no offense to anybody, right? But my favorite Gator Bulldog joke is what happens when a Gator and a Bulldog cross paths? Nothing, right? Because there's certain things a Bulldog will not do. <laughs> that's that the big Georgia Florida joke growing up and it's like a family all right uh, they fight each other but in the bowl games they cheer for each other unlike the west and the northeast that your rivals enemies forever and I have never ever uh, cheered for UCF you can't finish university I almost cheered with them when they almost beat Duke, but that's about it. But when you look at Florida and Georgia, when uh, Kirby Smart gets there in 17, Georgia beats Florida 42-7. to Next year, Kirby Smart, targeting, as Dr. First is saying, beats Georgia 36-17. Or Georgia beats them 36-17. Last year, Georgia beats them 24-17. So, those Gator alumni, those are very, very nasty people. They're used to Steve Spurrier, Urban Meyer winning all the games with Tim Tebow. They're bringing heat on poor um, coach, Coach Dak Prescott Mullen. They're bringing heat on it. Is it deserve it or not? Who cares? The man makes $7 million a year. I don't have much sympathy for him. Uh, he can go be the quarterback's coach at Dallas Cowboys <laughs> after this year if Curry Spark beats his ass. So anybody online has any opinion on that uh, in the chat room, let us know. But Lord willing, every Friday night, we'll come down here and we'll talk football. Uh, the winner circle, Brianna Winner. She's going to be coming to North Carolina Tar Heels. And those Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, and it's going to be a very, very exciting year. And it's very interesting to see the difference in cultures between the West and the South. You knew living in the South that the South was going to play. And uh, that's what we have. We have the South 
playing football. And we have a great podcast that we're very fortunate and lucky to have. We call it Faith and Family Football. Uh, take a listen. We have our guy, uh, Coach Sheely. Great podcast. And we have John Bronson from Penn State and Corey Jackson from the University of Nevada, Cleveland Browns, and the Denver Broncos. Faith Family Football Podcast. But right now we're going to tackle uh, the games tomorrow so we, all of us, can make money watching football tomorrow. And tomorrow's also the Kentucky Derby. So we're going to do a live stream. Dr. First, who has an expertise in horse racing, is going to do a live stream Kentucky Derby uh, again on this, on this channel. All right? So what first, what's the first game we're going to talk about today? Uh, first one we'll talk about will be uh, Middle Tennessee State against Army. Army at the moment is three-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, the over-under number is 55. Uh, for me, just looking things over, um, for first Middle Tennessee State, um, they have uh, a, a, a situation where, you know, quarterback uh, Asher O'Hara is a guy who's actually probably better with his legs than his arm. His arm's getting there, but he's going to be a guy that picks up first downs with his legs. So you're going to have to keep your eye on that. Uh, I, I do believe that's kind of why the, the spread is as small as it is. Um, Army will have to um, stay disciplined, uh, keep him in the pocket, don't let uh, keep him contained, kind of keep him um, under control. Uh, but, you know, the big concern for me overall for Middle Tennessee State, especially going up against Army, is last year what their defense did, or shall I say what they didn't do. Uh, they gave up 194 yards against uh, on the ground um, and almost five yards a carry. Now, Army is pretty much the perfect um, exposure game for this uh, team. They're obviously uh, still running the – wishbone, um, triple option, whatever you want to call it. A team that pretty much ran uh, almost 300 yards average pretty much for the last three or four years. It is by far their specialty. Um, the running back depth at Army isn't as deep, but it is more experienced. Um, the top two guys you expect, I think, to have the most carries um, outside of the quarterback is uh, fullback Sandin McCoy and tailback um, Aries Bryce, or I'm sorry, Aries Hobbs. Um, both those guys probably going to split the bulk of the carries health, um, assuming the health stays together. Right. And when you think about uh, middle Tennessee football, you think about coach Doc still, he had his son uh, be a great quarterback there at middle Tennessee state. But the big problem with them is that they only have like two offensive linemen uh, and they don't much less have depth. So depth and COVID-19, uh, can be a, a, a huge issue. So they get one guy hurt or one guy tired, they're going to be in big trouble. Now, Army and Navy, which both play tomorrow, they had a big advantage because they never lost access to the weight room. They always could work out. So there was no disruption for them. This is a bounce-back year for Army. Uh, Coach Monken, uh, he broke – uh, the, the big losing streak they had against Navy. Uh, he, he's, a, he's an amazing coach. Uh, they should have. Uh, it was one of those situations where 
they should have beaten. Uh, they should have beaten Michigan at Michigan. Uh, it's one of those games where Jim Harbaugh feels that he has more talent. So he played uh, vanilla, right? He played vanilla football. And Coach Monken, being the great coach that he is, what he did was uh, out-coach him, out-hustle Jim Harbaugh, and 100% had his guys more fundamentally sound than uh, Jim Harbaugh. So look for the same to happen. Not that Coach Stockstill is, is any bad of a coach. It's just that, in a sense, Army has more resources than Middle Tennessee State, right? In this chaotic time, it's hard for Coach Stockstill to keep a team together. And again, the way Coach Stockstill recruits, and I have nothing against it, I'm not making a moral judgment of it, but he uh, recruits uh, players with questionable backgrounds, right? And he mentions them from last uh, Chance U. He's a great judge of talent. However, even though he's a great judge of talent, those guys, especially in a, in a situation uh, that's not normal, like we're all living in now, uh, it becomes a chaotic, more chaotic than what it usually is for Coach Stockstill. Now, one plus he does have is that he has a power five offensive coordinator, Tony Franklin, a guy who coached in the NFL, and the guy's a genius, right? He's in Tennessee to take care of his mother. His mother's sick in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And he's there, and he gets to be an offensive coordinator still. And it's not bad. He's making like 400 grand a year, right? <laughs> he's sacrificing for 400 grand a year to be the offensive coordinator of Middle Tennessee State. So he'll dial something up, right? But I think he's just a little bit too depleted right now. So I think we're going Army minus five, under 55, because Army runs the ball, and, and Army runs clock. And I don't know if you remember that game, Dr. First, when Army beat San Diego State in the bowl game. Yes, I do remember that. And they couldn't stop San Diego State. But, man, they just were – because remember math, right? If you can run the ball 3.5 yards on each play, that equals a first down. And Army milks that to death, right? They'll go 3.5, exactly, 3.5 yards all the way down the field and take a whole, a whole quarter worth of time. So uh, especially first game of the season, uh, Middle Tennessee State with a depleted roster. Uh, I'm – Army minus five, under the 55 points. Agreed. Nice. So that's uh, what I don't know. The minus five, that's that's very nice. Uh, I, I saw it earlier, minus three and a half. I, in that situation, I would bet it down just to get to the three, just in case. Right. Um, with that, uh, you know, magic number. Um, but uh, five's great. That's um, uh, maybe – it could have, because I wrote it. I think or maybe that three looks like a five. It could be very well. That three yeah. looks like a five. Uh, but I think, I, think it's, I think it's Army either way. Like I said, you have a team that's just not good against the run versus a team that literally all they do is run. 
Right. It's, it's going to be, uh, I mean, I, and they're not going to show you everything. I know that um, right. it's going to be vanilla, but that vanilla is still going to be better than whatever uh, middle Tennessee Scott, Tennessee state's got. And it's just interesting to me to see these numbers considering some of these other spreads we see. Um, as we'll get to um, to the next game, if you're ready to roll, is uh, SMU against Texas State. Um, te- uh, SMU is favored by 23 points, and the right. over-under number here is 69 and a half. Do you want to tackle this one first? Yeah, SMU, Texas State. Yeah, uh, it, I, I really don't like Spike Dykes. Kid with large spreads, right? Because he he's always bad with uh, defense, and uh, sixteen and a half, seventy points. Yes, there's not there's not going to be a lot of tackling uh, because of COVID nineteen, lack of access to the to the weight room. It's going to be a lot of a lot of speed on the field. Texas Tech. I mean, Texas State has not had uh, a lot of success, right? They've been three and nine, three and nine, three and nine. And SMU has a Bouchette, Texas high school legend, uh, run and shoot, air raid. And this is going to be the air raid for SMU coming off a big year with Coach Lashley that we talked about. So uh, Dr. First and I agreed before the game that this is very much an inflated line, right? And 100%, I can see SMU jump out to a big lead and then Texas State uh, come back, right, during the game and lose, right? Let's say they lose uh, 42 to 21. That means we win both sides of the bet. You know, Texas uh, SMU comes out, raises out thirty-five nothing, and then they bring in you know second string, third string. Texas State chips away, scores a few touchdowns, uh, covers the twenty-three, right? Forty-two twenty-one covers the twenty-three, and it's under the sixty-nine. And it's a weekend. It's Kentucky Derby. A lot of Kentucky Derby people. They bet horses all the time. I'm going to take their horse winnings, go into Biloxi, the casino, and just bet uh, favorites and overs. And that's what Vegas likes to take advantage of. So us, being the cynical contrarian sitting at home, we go the other way. And we're going to go with Texas State. Plus, we're going to buy that. And if you got 24, if you wake up in the morning and this has been betted up to 24, bet it up to 25 or bet it up to 24 and a half, because that's a key number, right? Key numbers are three, seven, 14, 17, 21, 24, right? So you don't want a, a random, you know, SMU uh, has two kickers and they want to see who's better. And even though they're up by X amount of points, they're up in a blowout. They bring in the kicker for a long field goal to see if he could do it, right? And the guy hits it. You don't want to get beat that way. <laughs> Believe me, it's happened, right? So you don't want to beat that way. So you, you always go with those key numbers, right? Salesmen think short-term. Businessmen think long-term. Businesswomen think long-term. 
Yeah, and you know, I, I, it's funny you said 42-21 because that's uh, pretty much exactly what I see, how I see this game going. Um, SMU, I think they have offensively um, a lot of talent returning from a 10-win team, um, but I even wrote down here 23 points, um, or in our case, 24 points. Just a lot of, lot of points to cover early on. Right. Um, and if I read the schedule correctly, it looks like they're in Texas State. I know that's not exactly what it means as normal, but still it's not the normal, um, you know, stadium here and there. Uh, but I'm not 100%. It might be a neutral site. I didn't dive too deep into that. But Shane Bichelli, um is, for me, in what could be a watered-down Heisman. Now, obviously, Trevor Lawrence is going to play, and, and uh, we'll see. Uh, I think Najee Harris is going to play even though Jamar Chase did step out uh, for LSU. You're not going to see some Pac-12 guys, um, not going to see some Big Ten guys pending. Who knows? We'll see. But at this point, you know, who knows? There's a dark, a dark horse like uh, Shane Buscelli, um in a, in a veteran in this system. I expect them uh, to win this game. But like you said, they're not, I don't think they're going to cover the 24. For Texas State, uh, big-time concern with only bringing four back defensively. Um, and for uh, tech, uh, for SMU and the outlook overall, um, you, you brought it up, the defense. It's all well and good to score 49, 56 points a game, but eventually they're not going to do that and they're going to lose by a field goal or get blown out one way or another. And it's pretty much what's happened the last few, uh, few years and uh, pretty much what happens with teams um, that really struggle to uh, stop, pe- stop good teams in their conference. Um, that are really, really paying attention to them. Um, but, yeah, I like I like Texas State to cover here. Make sure you do get that 24, get to 24 just in case, and then the under 64 and, or 69 and a half. Um, that's just a bit, a bit much early on. I don't think SMU and Sonny Dykes is throwing Shane Buscelli's, you know, first, um, you know, main stuff out there. Uh, against Texas State they know they're gonna you know win by 17 points 20 points they don't need to um, open things up right no big time and, and they're you know they're playing AAC teams like Cincinnati uh, you know they're playing really good teams in the AAC so they want to keep things in their back pocket all right they want to keep things in their back pocket and I want to reiterate too that last year I made a lot of money picking uh, SMU inflated lines. Every time they were a favorite, I went the other way because of uh, my opinion of Coach Dykes, and it made me money. And it got me a really nice streak. Remember, 52.5% is break-even. We're at 70 to 80%, and we'll get that margin. It's like compound interest, right? And that's why my wife has been able to buy $32,000 worth of gasoline in the last 10 years, purely off betting money because she says that the betting money makes her feel better to use that money than any other money, all right? So that's why we do it, to have fun watching football and to buy things, buy groceries and gasoline and so on and so forth. Amen. Next up is uh, a game we were very – actually, I think we pretty much agreed on all these games, but um, Arkansas State – Taking on Memphis, and I'll leave this one off. Um, look, for Arkansas State, the hopes 
Um, rest on, you know, the return of Logan Bonner, the quarterback. He had a thumb injury that ended his sophomore season last year. Another guy who's a veteran in this system, and it is no longer um, – it was kind of a stop, you know, Gus Malzahn and, and other guys a couple years and then they move on or a couple years and then they move on. And it's hard to, you know, really build a consistent winning program um, when that's happening. Uh, it seems to have been the case now. But the big thing that jumps out to me for Arkansas State – is the offensive line. All five offensive linemen are returning. They will bring 128 starts um, to uh, return. So that's, 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 I think, the highest number I've seen. Can't guarantee that it's the highest number out there, but definitely the highest number I've seen. Uh, so that's not only going to help them here today or tomorrow in this case, but it's definitely going to help them throughout the year now. Arkansas State's defense must improve. They're, they're bringing back six starters, um, but you would have to imagine those six guys after last year, you know, the taste in their mouth, giving up 34, 34 points a game. They're going to want to improve on that. We'll see how that goes. But I really do re like the five offensive linemen returning for 128 starts. That's incredible. And then uh, looking at Memphis, we kind of see two different sides of here, uh, things here. Uh, we had Arkansas where we're talking about things coming back. Well, first thing I'm going to talk about with Memphis is things that are leaving, and it's Mike Norvell, uh, the coach who we talked about Arkansas State, kind of a bit of a, a stepping stone. Well, Memphis seems to be that case as well. Mike Norvell moves on to Florida State. Um, they went 12-2 and two last year. Were the best of the rest, the best of the other five, whatever it's called, um, three starters return on the offensive line. They do get 50. That, that will equate for 57 career starts. Um, look, the one thing that jumped out to me when I was doing my research, Josh talked a lot about SMU's inflated line. Well, Memphis, not last year, had some and expect it this year. Hint, hint, where we're going on this one. But anyway, yeah. uh, they were 12-2 and two last year. But against the spread, they were only 8-6. and six. So, right. you know, losing four games against the spread – um, as opposed to winning those 12 or a, a, a net loss of four, if you will, that tells me that there is um, inflated lines. And that was pre um, 12 and two. That was pre uh, best of the rest, whatever you want to call it. They have a quarterback coming back. Um, but for me, the defense does return eight starters. So improvement is expected, but they were below average last year. I don't think it's a team that focuses too much defensively. It's all about the offense uh, in a conference where they're not alone in that regard. But um, overall, uh, spoiler alert, I think we are, like I said, we agreed. Uh, Arkansas, I like to just see if you can get yourself to plus, eight, uh, plus 19. 18 isn't exactly a, um, a, uh, um, a magic number or um, one of those, but it's also one of those that could come up. So if you can get yourself to 19, I think you'll feel a little bit better or even 18 and a half. Because, uh, like I said, 18, a 28 to 10, or a 27 to 10, all of a sudden you're like, oh, man, you know what I mean? So right. just, uh, you know, 18, not exactly a magic number, but it's close enough to try and find maybe a half point out of that. Um, and crazy enough, I know this sounds crazy, 74. I actually kind of like the over. I'm not, I don't really know how Josh feels about that. Uh, probably won't bet it, but I'm very, very confident on the Arkansas State side of it. Definitely will bet that side of it. But the over for me, I mean, it's a team, both these teams are bringing back starters. 
on offense. Um, and we talk about, you know, uh, offensive lines that have over 180 uh, returning starts around right. that number uh, yeah. against two really bad defenses. And we've talked about no tackling all off season. I think it lines up now 74. You know, if it gets over that, it's going to be a really fun game to watch. Um, but interesting there. I'm really confident about the Arkansas plus 18 and a half plus 19. Yes. And it seems to me it's like Vegas covering its ass, right? Giving itself uh, a number over a key number 17. Uh, it, it was one of those things where it could go either way, right? Depends what the coaches want to do. Uh, they have two powerful offensive lines, right? And the whole maxim is that you want to protect your defense, especially first uh, game of the season. You don't want to wear your defense out scoring fast and then bringing them back on the field, right? Uh, it's going to be hot in Memphis, right, in, the, in, that, in that big bowl. It's going to be very, very hot. Uh, really, the point is that coach's decision, right? Uh, there's not a bridge between Cuba and Key West, not because either country I didn't have the money, but because of politics. And that's how the over-under – 74 is kind of high, because uh, both teams have aspirations of maybe winning their conference. So they have a lot of fish to fry, right, later on in the year. And do they want to show their whole offense in the first game of the season? Or do they want to establish the running game, establish the attitude, right, and uh, run clock, right, with their dominant offensive lines? Or do they want to go a shoot shootout? It could go either way. It could go either way. So sometimes the best bets you make are the ones you don't make, especially in a pandemic year. Maybe stay away from that over under. But is there some correlation, right? Correlation is if a game is going to go under, then X is going to cover. So if Arkansas State covers the 18, is it going to be under because they control the game with their offensive line? But we're going to stay away from that. That's overthinking, right? Uh, paralysis by analysis, and we're going to dial up a great coach, uh, Blake Anderson. He was on that Boise State staff doing the big bowl game. So look for Blake Anderson to cover 18 plus 18 tomorrow. We're going to go with Blake Anderson. And your Arkansas State Red Wolves, and they had some great coaches there, uh, Gus Malzant. So it has to be one of those areas around the country uh, that has great talent, right? That whole Memphis, uh, Tennessee, Arkansas, right? And going into Louisiana, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of really good three stars, two stars, who can be developed and gotten into the NFL and play some exciting football and get coaches like Gus Mazzant better jobs. So Arkansas State is one of those places. Well, and there's, you know, obviously places in the South, um, especially the deep South, where, you know, a scout might make it to one game for to see a player. Like, that's it. You know, Florida might go see this one kid once. And who knows? Things happen. They're 18, 17, 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. They hear there's a scout. They don't play too well. Right. Uh, scout moves on. All of a sudden, Florida Atlantic or Arkansas State, uh, you know, even, you know, take – 
go, let's go into the Southland Conference with teams like Northwestern State or Houston right. Baptist. They go and see him two or three times, get a little bit more of a sample size. Maybe by the third time, he's a little more calm, and they've realized, hey, um, we're going to not tell anybody, but this, this is a D1 prospect. Luckily, right. he, he, had a, he had a rough game. I mean, luckily for us, unfortunately. But, um, and, and you also do, as somebody who is a big fan of the show, Last Chance U, schools like Arkansas State, um, McNeese State, those schools are brought up a lot. It's not a whole lot of schools like Georgia are going to take a chance on a kid who's already went to a Power Five, got kicked out. They, got, they can go pull up a, a high school recruit out of anywhere and get those guys. So um, the bounce backs, as they're called, they, they more go for the, the second tier uh, South schools. But, I mean, we've seen it with Florida Atlantic. We've, we saw it with Memphis. And Arkansas State's probably a little bit lower than uh, Memphis in terms of the prestige and everything. But Arkansas State does what they need to do year in and year out um, lately. Like I said, they, they finally kind of found a coach that's decided, hey – I, I want to stay here, whether that's because no one's calling or because he's not answering his phone one way or the other. He's been there for seven years now. Um, and that's big for a school because it is tough for like Memphis. Look, if Mike Morvell would have stayed for five, six more years, who knows? Maybe Memphis would be an SEC school because of what they would have done. But now with, you know, even if um, Silverberg does well, you would have to imagine in two or three years, he's what, at Tennessee or, you know, Old Miss or wherever, you know, it's just kind of the cycle of things. Um, but to have Arkansas State at 18 and a half, 19, um, against uh, a good but not great team with that type of number, I think that's, I, I call it all, I call it bonus, uh, the free space. You play bingo, right in the middle is the free space. They just give it to you. Um, I think that's what this game really is uh, at 18 and a half or 19, however you get it. Um, the final game of the weekend um, is on Labor Day, and I'll tell you, might be one of the weirdest parts of 2020 that Labor Day, which is always kind of, um, it's the only time besides the national championship game that the college football has Monday. Um, as theirs because obviously Labor Day the next week is when NFL begins so Labor Day's game is it's BYU Navy now normally it's it's reserved for big time schools usually the south you see a lot of Virginia Tech Miami um, I think last year was like Georgia Tech Notre Dame something like that but this year it is BYU Navy and to be honest of all the games we talked about not only is this probably the most competitive one of the toughest to pick but also one that I'm looking forward to by far the most. Um, also because, look, it is Monday. Uh, it will be all by itself. It is that Labor Day kind of routine of things. Right. Um, but, uh, what do you think about BYU Navy? BYU is a two-point favorite. The over-under is 49 and a half. And it has uh, over, right. under, I mean, under 49 points written all over it. 100%. Uh, Coach Kataki, uh, Man, that's, what he, that's what he loves to do. Over, you know? I mean, under 49 points, uh, written all over it. Yeah. I'll actually jump into mine while you get that rolling. I will uh, 
go through what I saw. And you, I talked earlier um, about, well, I think it was Arkansas State that had the offensive line uh, returning. Well, BYU has the same, almost same situation coming with 110 starts returning for BYU. And when I say 110 starts returning for BYU on their offensive line, it's very, very important to remember the way it works at BYU for these incoming freshmen. These incoming freshmen don't step on the field for four years because they got to go do their mission. Um, So these kids coming in with full eligibility are grown men. So when we're talking about 110 returning starters, that's 110 grown men coming back um, in that situation. Now, BYU also um, is a Mormon college, so there are a lot of other things that you have to sacrifice um, in that situation. Namely sex, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, there was that. I forget I forget his name, BYU. It was the year with Jimmer Ferdet, San Diego State. The big power forward or small forward or center, right. I forget which one, but he had the, and I look, I understand it's a Mormon college and they have their beliefs. Hey, that's their thing. More, you know, live in the United States. Uh, everyone has a right to their beliefs, more power to them. Um, the, but that, that was a bit much for him to kind of get, but those are the rules at the same time. Like I said, everyone is forced to go by those rules no matter what you believe or how you feel about those rules but the main point what I was going with was you know these kids coming back from their missions and all that stuff they're coming back and they are uh they're grown men but navy is also kind of the same situation now it's not you know you go do your naval work and then come play but you're also are talking about kids that have for the most part had the naval academy or a um you know, a service academy in their mind pretty much since birth or since they started playing um, or started feeling like they could play football at the next level. The defense for BYU is going to bring back seven starters from a defense that was really above average last year. Not a terribly tough schedule playing in the independents, um, but they do play some big time schools more so than if they were playing um, in the Mountain West. Uh, BYU also offensively is going to return eight from a team um, that averaged 28 and a half points last year. So I expect that to go up a bit. Um, Navy side of things, not Josh already hit on a part of it. Look, everyone else's um, facilities were shut down. Well, look, the Navy doesn't shut down folks. So those facilities were rolling. Um, you were right. able to go in, do what you got to do, get your meal um, and, and just really be, be, um, look, it's a, it's a government agency. It's, it's a situation that uh, they were taking care of the best because let's face it, if, if something bad happened, they were the people we would look to to keep us safe, not just on a football field. So right. they have that a bit of an advantage. Um, but let's face it, for a wishbone offense, for a team that was so successful last year um, and they gave up or they lost, I should say, uh, the um, just an incredible quarterback that was, that was an incredible huge piece of – the wishbone attack. It's very difficult for a first year starter. Um, I don't even care if you've grown up in the wishbone your entire life. It's difficult to pick it up at the college football pace and at the Navy, the way Navy expects you to do it. Um, the wishbone attack is always going to yield high numbers on the ground. Um, they have 29 starts returning on the offensive line. That concerns me. I mean, we're talking about BYU that looks at 110 big men coming back starts at least, and uh, 29 for Navy. It's a very tight spread. BYU minus two at that point. Um, let's, just, let's just find ourselves the money line. 
um, and take care of any funny business just in case, because this game is, I believe, in Annapolis. Like I said, I just kind of read it off the uh, my bookie, and if you know that they, they have it. Yeah, and there's a thing for me, right? Uh, I own three businesses, and when you own a one business, eighty percent of your time has to be uh, revenue generating act- activities. Okay, but last year. I only watch pretty much USF games in, in its entirety and then maybe one or two other games. And the other game I'm watching last year is a game I'll watch tomorrow at five. Uh, I'll look at the exact time, but it's going to be Houston Baptist in North Texas. I, I watched all the – That's on the, Thursday, I believe. Yeah? That, I believe, is on Thursday. No, that's tomorrow. It is 100% tomorrow. tomorrow okay. uh, North Texas and Houston Baptist football. And one of the blessings of the pandemic – I was talking to my dad earlier today. He's been a minister for 51 years. And we were talking about blessings of the pandemic, making a lemon, uh, lemonade out of lemons. And one of the blessings is that uh, Houston Baptist football, all their games this year, three games, they're going to be on ESPN3. So on ESPN3, look for Houston Baptist against North Texas. So I watched, uh, and then maybe a third game, right? So... Last year, I watched BYU in its entirety, right? I watched them the entire game against USC where uh, poor uh, Mr. Slovis threw it up for grabs. He really didn't need to. He needed to just throw it away. He threw it up for grabs, and BYU came up with a victory last year in overtime against USC. So they like to pound that ball. They pound the ball, control the clock, and wait for you to make a mistake and beat you that way, right? That's BYU football. And like Dr. First is saying, we have a situation now where two guys, where these offensive linemen had two years on a mission, and now they return, what, 126 starts. Really, they have as close as you can get, you know, this side of Alabama, this side of what USC used to be, uh, where they pretty much have a, a professional offensive line because <laughs> they're, they're in their mid-20s uh they've been lifting weights and stuff for you know six years on the college level they're a pro offensive line going against these navy guys and navy's going to run the ball so it's the under all the way and take by byu on the money line and it's going to be interesting to watch them control the clock it's going to be smash mouth football on both sides of the ball Agreed. And I was very surprised actually to see the 49 and a half, but I think Vegas is expecting um, a lot of uh, people to somewhat overreact to some of those. Um, and uh, This game could be 10 to 3, man, to be honest. It, well, I mean, we saw games like that with BYU last year. Right. That was the case. And um, Navy's got no problem playing that type of football. Um, we also, you know, talk about, and I'll say this right now. I don't like, while the facilities might've been open for Navy. Um, I don't necessarily know if the, the, the Naval Academy was taking time out of their day or their schedule to give them practice field time. So, you know, I think they they had other priorities, so that could possibly kind of counteract it. Um, they still, yes, the facilities are there when they need it, but at the same time, you have a very regimented schedule. I mean, they they always show if you ever watch an Army Navy game, right. I'll give you two to one odds. They're gonna they're gonna show you 
the schedule of a athlete at a service academy. And believe me, it's not for the week of heart or for the faint no. of heart. You have to wonder where they're doing homework, where they're trying to figure this out. I mean, so uh, football is the easy part of these kids' days. And while COVID wasn't exactly a you know wartime situation, let's be honest, we're always really at war. And these kids know once they play that game, Army versus Navy, or then that bowl game, and they hit that senior, they know next is time to put your life on the line um, for the country. So uh, it's always – I always give an extra boost for those service academies for that. It just, it's a different mindset. You don't go to the Naval Academy to make it to the NFL. Sure – you have players that have made it from the Naval Academy to the NFL, but yeah, that, those are the lucky ones or, or at least the ones that, you know, obviously were really good. Most of these kids just want to be able to hit something um, other than being yelled at by their boot, uh, their drill instructor. Just want to be able to hit something um, tw- 12 times a year uh, and not get in trouble for it. So I, yeah, I, 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 I really think the best, uh, best executive order Trump had, uh, in my humble opinion, was allowing uh, Navy guys to go straight to the NFL after uh, their four years is done in the Naval Academy. And then uh, it's not like these guys go to the NFL and don't go back to the Naval Academy and do their duty or whatever. They always go back. Those those guys, and there's a lot of legacy there. Uh, I was listening to Mike Pence's commencement speech at the Naval Academy this year, and 60% of the graduates were legacy so there's a lot of legacy guys who maybe can play in the NFL, but they're not going to be too far away, either as a reserve or going back into uh, the Navy, right? Well, uh, yeah, you can – those guys – but you have to have a team. You know, this isn't like, hey, I'm going to go chase my dream of playing semi-pro football. Uh, no, you got to have an NFL team that's going to carry you onto your NFL roster, and you're right. Uh, if you're or no, a letter from the NFL saying you're going to be drafted in the first yeah, yeah. Well, three rounds or something, make the team. I mean, even um, I remember last year the Eagles had drafted a uh, serviceman and he had gotten everything he needed. And then unfortunately, it's all good, but he just didn't make the 30 man or the 53 man roster. He is now doing his duty. Um, or you know, maybe he who knows, maybe he got back and tried it, tried out again, didn't make it. But uh, I do know that is a case, but um. Always a sacrifice. Those those kids sacrifice just right now. And we're we going to look up that story. We're going to put it in the episode notes for the Navy guy. One game that we didn't touch on that I want to look at, it's going to be uh, Stephen F. Austin at UTEP. Uh, last year, Houston Baptist was one play away from beating UTEP. And Stephen F. Austin – I forget. I'm going to put it in the episode notes exactly where Stephen F. Austin is. They're deep in the heart in the middle of Texas. Uh, they went into Duke and beat Duke at Duke. So I was looking forward because the Southland Conference has an automatic bid to the NCAA, but in football, they're in the FCS level. Uh, look for them to be in a tussle with UTEP. UTEP has been bad for many, many, many years. And I don't see them getting any better this year. So look for that. That's one of those games that I don't think it has a line <laughs> because it's so crazy. Uh, but Nico Dochis. Uh, ooh. I, I absolutely, nice. I absolutely butchered it, but I really don't care. Yeah. Um, small. Well, yeah, yeah. Just uh, give me the link, and I'll put it on the episode notes. Oh, I just googled it. 
I just Stephen F. Austin location, but oh, the location. Okay, got it. Yeah, you guys can Google it as well. I mean, feel free to check out the episode notes, but the but Google is a hell of a hell of a tool. Yes, yes. However, that's one of those things. Common sense isn't so common. That's fair. Uh, so, yeah, Stephen F. Austin, UTEP, uh, and that's going to round it out. Uh, Houston Baptist, and we'll have Ben Raslaff. Uh, next week on the show uh, to tell us what happened against the Mean Green and Coach Seth Luttrell of your North Texas Mean Green. So to recap, oh, another game that I'll give people right away, Hammer Marshall tomorrow. Let me see what the line is. Um, Marshall against Eastern Kentucky, oh. another FCS team. Yeah, there aren't lines, at least on my bookie. I'm not seeing lines, it seems like, on games with FCS schools. Like I said, on my bookie, I just saw those four, right. uh, including uh, rounding out with Labor Day. I'm not sure if that's just a my bookie thing. Um, I, I think it's my, not just my bookie. I think half of the bookmakers do it and half don't. Yeah. But Bovada does. So Fair enough. Let me, because I know you got to go. Uh, let me look at Donnie Best. And see if he has it. Donnie uh, Best yeah. probably has odds on if he has it. Yeah. <laughs> so the station has um, Eastern Kentucky and Marshall as Pickham. And if I wasn't married, yeah, if I wasn't married, and I'll, I'll share the screen here. If I wasn't married, I would uh, go there. I would I'll be driving right now in the middle of the pandemic to Vegas to bet that game. Let's see here. Zoom I mean, blocking. It's got to be Marshall, right? Yeah, no, Marshall's going to blow him out. That's what I'm saying. But, hey, maybe something's going on at the station that they don't know. I don't know, man. If you can convince your girl, Brandon, first, I'll go to San Diego, pick you up. We'll go to Vegas and just place bets on Marshall – pick them at station uh, over Eastern Kentucky. And if we can get that on Bobata, which is, that's exactly what I'm going to do after we close the podcast. I'm going to see if it's out there somewhere. But yeah, Marshall, Marshall's returning like 200, I'm exaggerating, but Marshall's returning like 200 starts on the offensive line. Their coach is a Hall of Fame coach, Doc Holliday, who coached like 30, I don't know how he's still coaching because he coached 30 years with Bobby Bowden. He's well, close like and, 10 years of Marshall. And Eastern Kentucky is a damn FCS school. Like, I know that, like, they're getting closer, but that should not be a pick <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, right, but who knows who's doing it? I'll tell you this right now. I, I, I love our boy, you know, Ben Ratzlaff. And, you know, I, I look at North Texas as a pick too and go, wow. Now, UTEP, Stephen F. Austin. Uh, now, Stephen F. Austin, I, the one thing I will say when it comes to the FCS I do always keep an eye on who makes the playoffs. And Stephen F. Austin is a team that almost always makes the playoffs. They're always in the playoffs. Yeah. So, so I know that's that, that program um, always has talent. Um, I, UTEP is the exact opposite. So I would right. actually take Stephen F. Austin in that. But, um, <laughs> no, I cannot believe that. If there's lines, would, hey, if there are lines that come out tomorrow. You need to jump on that Marshall. immediately. Uh, this game we can't bet because we love, we love this guy. But hammer Stephen F. Austin. <laughs> and it's the first game of the season where they're fresh, where historically FCS schools are fresh. 
and they give uh, really good higher level power five uh, teams a hard time. And really, to be honest, and uh, Coach uh, Sheely and Ben Rathleff would agree with me, Houston Baptist should have beat UTEP last year. Yeah, uh, Coach said that uh, – Coach Sheely said, Faith Family Football, Coach Sheely, go on there and listen to it. Coach Sheely said that they were driving on UTEP and the quarterback bobbled the ball, and that's how they lost. So UTIP did not beat Houston Baptist. Houston Baptist beat itself. <laughs> so uh, hammer Marshall, if there's a line, if you can get to station. <laughs> so you go get it. Who, what happened to the, the bookmakers at station, right? They all got COVID-19 and nobody left. They have, they have a, the secretary who doesn't watch football putting the lights on. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? But uh, at station – uh, you can go have a good time at Station, man. You can go because uh, they got uh, they got Memphis minus nineteen. All right, they got uh, SMU twenty three and a half, and yep. they have yeah, that's Army the three minus three, three stuff. Yeah, you know if uh, my wife is gonna go hang out with all her girlfriends. Um, you might see me at the, uh, the, the one that's by here is Enterprise. I'll go to Enterprise, start driving down, down to the, doing a beeline and try to get to the station's sportsbook as fast as possible. <laughs> yeah. I don't parlay or do 25, more than 25% of the bankroll. However, uh, you, you'll have me thinking about it. You have me thinking about it with uh, Marshall, <laughs> Eastern Kentucky. <laughs> Dr. First is 100% right. No way that game should be a pickle. Yeah, so final words from me uh, as I got to head on out. But, um, you know, just excited to get one step closer. This is definitely not um, a weekend uh, for, you know, really – big time football, but there are some games that'll be out there that will be interesting. And the money's just as green, uh, money's as just is, as green. no matter what. So thank you all for listening. Uh, Josh, thank you. And uh, yeah, I'll let you finish us up. Give us your last words. And then, uh, yeah, we gave you all those free picks uh, for people who can hear the sound. Now they couldn't before I put a link to SoundCloud. I'll post the podcast right away. So you can get that information and we give you this information for free because we live in a capitalist country and we're doing well in our businesses and day jobs. So we can offer this service for free. And Sir Winston Churchill said, you make a living from your labor, but you make a life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the ESBC Podcast Network.